thank you so much, Sharon, um, for all of your work. Um, talk about feeding our neighbors. Um, so thank you for that. Our reading this morning comes from Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you had a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door would be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and for everyone who knocks the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who if your child asks for a fish will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. In the name of God, in whose life we are fed and strengthened, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. After my first year in seminary, I served as a chaplain intern at Norwalk Hospital through a program called Clinical Pastoral Education, or CPE for short. Early on in the unit, each, each student identifies goals, and one of my goals was to work on extemporaneous prayer, which is a fancy way of saying prayer on the fly. I've always been comfortable with prayers like the Lord's Prayer, the 23rd Psalm, the Prayer of St. Francis, because the rhythm and the words of these age-old prayers have become ingrained in my memory over time. But when it comes to praying directly to God, I often find myself tripping over my words, distracted by doubts about whether there is someone on the other end of that line listening to me. Or, as the Gospel writer illustrates, perhaps I might find myself as a stranger knocking at the door, seeking bread from a friend who tells me he has already gone to bed. For me, there is deep vulnerability in prayer. Nevertheless, praying for people is part of the job description, so I figured I, better, I might as well begin practicing. Early in the unit, I met with a young woman who was dying. I sat by her bedside over the course of several days. During our early meetings, she was not interested in prayer, but on the third visit, she asked me to pray for her. I asked God to provide her with comfort and courage in her time of suffering and for wisdom for all those who care for her. I asked for protection for her young, son, her young son whom she was leaving behind. Then I invited her to join me in the Lord's Prayer and she began to weep as we said the words aloud together, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And in that moment, I heard those familiar words as if for the very first time. In Luke 11, Jesus's disciples ask him how to pray, and he recites the Lord's Prayer for the first time. But that prayer passed through many mouths before it was finally written down. In fact, the Bible has two versions of that prayer, one from the Gospel of Luke, which we've just read, and the other from the Gospel of Matthew, which we said just minutes ago in our prayer of invocation. Scholars have debated over and over about translations for generations, but it's remarkable to reflect on the fact that some iteration of these words have been said by his followers for 2,000 years. There is power in these words. But they can also take on a static quality. Pious convention conditions us to recite the words so reverentially that we often forget their meaning. They seem etched in stone, and our recitation of the words can feel a little stagnant. But on that day with my patient, the words came alive. You see, when we examine them closely, these words are anything but stagnant. Jesus tells us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. This is a living prayer of daily necessity. The complication of this text is the vulnerability that I mentioned earlier. That vulnerability resides in the unavoidable, unavoidable question, if I ask for help and I don't receive it, does that mean that God does not hear me? Or worse, does that mean that God does not love me? After all, I have known many, many faithful Christians to whom terrible things have happened. Each one of us listening today has experienced deep pain, deep loss in our lives. And 2020 keeps rolling in those punches. We're confronted every day with news about new COVID cases and a rising death toll, rising unemployment rates and the ever increasing needs of families facing housing instability and hunger, rising rates of domestic violence, hate crimes, violence against brown and black people, and a justice system that is simply not designed with God's justice in mind. So in light of all of this, when I read the last section of that gospel lesson in which Jesus tells his disciples, ask, search, knock, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened, it felt like a little bit of a slap in the face. I didn't really find those words comforting because what happens when I don't receive, find, or open any doors? What happens when I keep persistently knocking at the door but my sleepy friend within never comes to answer my pleas for bread? What does it mean that even when we pray for peace, there is still so much resent relentless suffering in the world? The middle of the gospel lesson is this curious section about a man asking his friend at midnight for a loaf of bread and only finding that his friends answer that his friend answers because he asks so persistently. This idea of God only answering because of sheer persistence was deeply troubling to me. But upon further research, I read that many scholars suggest that the Greek word here, anadia, should be translated to shamelessly rather than persistently. Changing this word implies then that there is a boldness in the Lord's Prayer because of a deep familiarity, a more intimate relationship between the one who asks and the one who replies. Jesus intimates that we should boldly petition God, our Father, shamelessly calling upon God's promises. But what is God's promise? 
If God does not swoop down and lift us out of whatever painful circumstances we may be in, what does God offer to us? If we pray for healing and still death comes knocking at our door, what does that tell us about the nature of God? Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote about prayer, specifically the 23rd Psalm. He writes that we think that the job of God is to weave a magic circle around our lives, to protect us from all trouble. But when we look closely at the text, that is not what God promises. God promises to be with us when trouble comes. Our true reliance on God is within the framework of reality as it is, not within an imaginary framework where no suffering exists. God is with us, but it does not change the facts of life. A dear friend of mine just lost her mother to COVID and she posted a line of scripture from Isaiah 43 on Facebook. I looked up the reading in an interpretation Bible called The Message. This is how The Message interprets it. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who started you, Israel, don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have called your name. You are mine. When you are in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God. I am your personal God. The prophet does not reveal a message that God will save us from the rough waters of our lives. God simply says, I will be there with you. My young patient died and I cannot tell you why. Nor can I tell you why any number of terrible things have happened to you and your loved ones. One of the conditions of being human is that we can never know the mind of God. However, immediately following that reading from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5, tells us that God said to Cyrus, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you do not know me. During the most vulnerable moment of my patient's life, in the very midst of her dying, she did not ask God to save her from death. She asked for God's strength. She asked for God's assurance, even in the shadow of death. And she found comfort in the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our scripture today from Luke is not simply about how to pray. It is about a relationship between us and God. We know that the essential nature of God, according to Judeo-Christian theology, is that God is with us. Neither creature nor creator can separate from one another. The creature is reliant on the creator. And in this prayer, Jesus invites us to deepen our relationship with God as a young child coming to their parent for care and comfort. Friends, listen again with new ears to the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the coming week, I invite you to return to this prayer daily. Let it remind you that you are not alone. When we experience or witness so much suffering, we're susceptible to paralysis. But in these days, when we are called to be Christ's hands and feet in the world, we must not be paralyzed. So speak these words aloud or in your heart. Let them feed you and empower you, remembering that you speak them along with billions of Christians across space and time, remembering and deepening your relationship to God as parent, remembering the promises God has made to be with us, to strengthen us. The gospel writer recounts that Jesus tells us to pray boldly. We can never know how our prayers will be answered by the creator, but our calling as Christians is to walk in the way of Jesus, to act in the way of Jesus, and to pray in the ways that Jesus taught us to pray, trusting in the promises of God's love. Thanks be to God. Amen.